the church is an incubator of revolutionaries. Let me say that again. The church is an incubator of revolutionaries. The thickness of the silence that day as it descended upon my heart and my mind, burrowing deep within my soul, was holy. The only sounds were footsteps marching together in solidarity. Holy silence. Holy footsteps. Marching together as one. Tears streamed down my face as I breathed in that silence deeply. Never before have I heard a more beautiful silence. Never before have I experienced such a profound moment of quiet. Never before had I listened and heard with each stride and with each footstep the heart of God quickening and felt with each drop of rain falling gently from the sky the deep pain of the people as felt by God himself. Walk in the way of love, we are told. Walk in the way of love. I was indoctrinated into a milquetoast version of Christianity, a spineless version that looked away from injustice. A version that kicked the can down the field and said, we don't need to worry about this. It's, it isn't our problem. It's just the way it is. Pay no mind. And someday soon, we'll all be going to heaven. And this will all be righted then. It was a version that warned, don't be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. As this ethereal seed rooted itself in my mind and in my heart, as it, it worked to clutch my very soul, a, a seed of goodness was planted in my head as a child by my grandmother. A, a seed that rested in my mind, a seed that took time to grow and to mature and flower, but a seed that vigorously fought against that tide and eventually made its way to the surface of my being. Don't be so earthly-minded that you're no heavenly good, they'd say. To which my grandmother would respond, yes. But don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. Thy kingdom come, Jesus taught us to pray, on earth as it is in heaven. Don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. While my grandmother may have passed away suddenly and unexpectedly when I was in the fifth grade, this has been the lasting legacy of Jesus that she implanted within my mind, my heart, my soul. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Many of us have yet to have that seed planted in our minds. We're still trying to coast through this pandemic. We're still waiting, waiting, waiting for it to simply end, vanish, disappear. Does that nonsense sound familiar? We are, in essence, being so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. 
wake up. Throw off your slumber and arise. There is work to be done. You see, we hold to a faith that makes a difference. We hold to a faith that doesn't sleepwalk through this life or pandemic. We have a faith that actively makes waves for good all around us. Just like Carlos's story, raising his hand, guided by the Spirit to make waves. My wife and kids were on vacation at one point, and during those Two weeks where I was home alone with a dog, I'm like, I'm just gonna go to every environmental meeting, I'm gonna go to every like protest meeting, every Black Lives March I can go, every Black Lives Matter meeting I can go to. And eventually I go to one meeting, and, uh, and it was a planning meeting for uh, a direct action against the number one funder of fossil fuel projects. And it was an action where they were going to make a spectacle. They were going to get the message out. They wanted the press to broadcast that message. And they basically planned on people getting arrested to make sure that message would go out. And when this guy running the meeting, whom I had never met and didn't know, asked, like, and we are now looking for volunteers who is willing to be arrested. And then I just look up, my hand is in the air. And I just thought, like, how dare you? <laughs> I, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Like, you betrayed me. So I volunteered for, you know, to be an arrestable. We, we did this thing and I'll never forget. Um, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was afraid. Like we're, we're performing the action and then the police came and they came en masse, just hundreds of them on bikes and cars with all this special equipment, and SWAT crap, all this garbage. And I just thought like, oh, this is really, this is gonna be bad. I remember like looking at like, I think some of the people need to go. I was in a tripod, I couldn't move anywhere, but I'm like, I think everybody can go, should go. Um, and I won't forget it, like the Lord's hand was on my back. I'm gonna start crying. Um, and this has happened every time. Every time I've been in an action, in a protest, in a march, anytime there's been a sense of danger, the Lord has just said, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. You're doing exactly what I want you to do. So for me, that's been personal and I don't go like, I wanna have the conversation with God again. I wanna feel that again. Um, I'd really prefer it never to be tear gassed again. Um, but that, that removes some doubt and that lets me know, okay, for me personally, like I am on the path. For years, I've been trying to take my faith more seriously, to put it in action more seriously, and to, and just to take the command to love my neighbor super literally and really build all of my decision making around that. Anybody else, you can pick your motivation. I'm picking the motivation. The love of Christ compels me. He said, go love your neighbor. I'm claiming him as my savior. I'm going to go do what he said. I have worked with, trained with, talked with people who are doing other activities, running for office, going to law school, making policy, and they are doing God's work. So I, I talked to them and I asked their story the way you're asking me, and every, almost everybody has the same thing. Like, in the beginning, this thing happened, it made me angry, I wanted justice, I flailed, and then I found the thing, and I knew, like, this is where 
And the, the response that I am hearing from a lot of people is like, that's just not me. Um, which, it, like, it's not, I don't think it's anybody. I was not born to get arrested. I really hated jail. I hated every second. I, I hate getting tear gassed. I still see the things spinning over. And landing in a crowd of black people who said, I can't breathe. They were chanting, well, no, you really can't breathe because you can't breathe tear gas. Now you have to flee. Like, that's not me either. I don't, I don't want to be doing these things. But I think if people just take one step, they will find this thing that they can't not do. And I think that that is how we can show the world that we really do believe that Jesus loves us, that we really do believe that Jesus loves the world we're living in, because we will have found this thing that we can't not do in order to bring him justice. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Did you hear it in Carlos's story? For too long, the white evangelical church has separated justice from the story of God. We have stood back, spineless, voiceless, appeasing power instead of speaking truth to power. We have allowed oppression and injustice to run amok in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our country. In the places where we should have stood up, in the places where we should have marched, in the places where we should have stood with the oppressed. We hid in the shadows. We hid in the light of Jesus and the hope of the good news. And I know there are some who believe that, that these two things, they just don't mix faith and justice, that they're two separate issues and they should remain segregated. In fact, I remember about 10 years ago, a prominent political commentator said, if you have a church that's preaching about social justice, go find another church. Because faith and justice, they just don't mix. And while I don't know exactly when that misinformed ideology made its way onto the scene, it's, it's not the historical understanding of the church or Christianity. It's not found anywhere in scripture. And actually, this idea of a segregated faith stands counter to Jesus himself. Nearly a hundred years ago in 1924, the German theologian Eberhard Arnold said in a lecture, humanity must turn around. What good are all its religious practices? What good are all its church services? What point is there in all its devout singing if, God, if God's will is not done and hands remain steeped in blood? What does people's faith mean if injustice is done to the poor as, a, as casually as one drinks a glass of water? What good is it to profess the divine if not even a little finger is lifted when countless children and poor people die? In fact, Everhard Arnold's quote reminded me an awful lot of a picture I saw this week floating around on Facebook. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a flood of justice 
an endless river of righteous living. D.L. Mayfield showed up this past weekend as a Christian protester at the worship event in Portland, the same one that eventually made its way to Cal Anderson Park, proclaiming a dog whistle gospel that only further fanned the flames of racial tension and segregation. And honestly, I've never heard a more tone-deaf set of musicians in my life. Worship that failed the basic test of love your neighbor as yourself. The Dream of God, wrote Marcus Borg, is a social and political vision of a world of justice and peace in which human beings do not hurt or destroy, oppress or exploit one another. The dream of God is a gospel that pulls us out of this compartmentalized faith, this bastardized faith that only allows us to see God working and acting in one part or in one area or segment of our life or of our world. The dream of God is a gospel that allows us to see the world that God is forming and creating all around us, a world of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. Not just in us, but in everything and everyone around us as he redeems and restores the world. Standing against the evil that seeks to destroy and plunder, oppress and segregate. This is who Jesus is. The man who, at his trial, the first charge that was brought against Jesus, we have found this man, Jesus, subverting our nation. Let that sink in for a moment. For nearly 200 years, every Christmas, we sing this song called O Holy Night. And hidden in plain sight are these lyrics, which paints the same understanding of the gospel. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Here's the thing. This isn't just for Christmas. You see, if Jesus is who he said he is, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then justice, activism, breaking the chains and yokes of oppression, changing systems and structures that lead to injustice and oppression, it's a really big part of what Jesus came to do and, and calls us to do as his body here on earth now. This is who we are. And this is who we have been called to be. We will not bastardize our faith and toe the line of gray when it comes to injustice. It's why we say black lives matter. But it's not enough to say it. We have to act it. We have to stand in opposition to those who say otherwise. We will not bastardize our faith and toe a line of gray when it comes to, ju to justice. We will not demean Jesus' death burial and resurrection to appease white evangelicalism sensibilities. And here's the thing, it'll cost us. It's cost me in some really hard and painful ways. 
but I will not back down. You see, we're not going to be those people who just pay lip service to a phrase or an idea. We're going to continue getting involved to stand in opposition to the oppression and injustice in our city. And, and while I truly believe that Jesus came to change hearts and minds and lives, I also believe that he came to change systems and structures. That's justice. That's a part of our work. And that's good trouble. And so together, let us get into good trouble. Let us reveal and work towards the world of goodness that God is bringing forth here and now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John Lewis, with his final words, left us this benediction and blessing. May we live into this as a part of the fullness of the gospel. When the historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last, and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, walk in the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide.